about watching that television show I taped yesterday? And welcome once again to your favorite podcast. Do you remember Robotech? Manny, I got a very cool new mouse. Well, I'm just going to try to navigate over to this screen real quick with my cool new trackball mouse. Just be one moment. I'm almost there. Sounds like you're hitting a keyboard. No, it's my trackball mouse. It's just kind of a, it's a little stuck. I'm almost, I'm almost, okay. Oh, you overshot it. I overshot uh, it with my track. Are, are you are you uh, are you doing like the one handed technique or the two handed technique that I, some people use on on their track balls? I was doing the one handed, but then my hand kind of hurts, and I was alternating it a little bit. Oh, nice! You're giving it like the giddy up, giddy up. Yeah, I just like a, a beautiful little horse. And you know what, Manny? If this is a beautiful little horse, then you're my beautiful little spurs, spurring me on to create content. <laughs> I was wondering where, where you were going. With that. <laughs> Uh, I like that got a genuine, genuine laugh out of you. Uh, yeah, this is Manny, the co-host of the podcast, and this is me, also the co-host of the podcast. And we're here to present to you a wonderful little podcast where we talk about episode six of Macross and Robotech. Manny, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And what do you think about trackball mouses in that order? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like trackball mice, mouses, mice, whatever the word is, are cool to look at but a little bit harder to use i don't know if i'd say they're cool to look at i think they're something to look at that that bright red ball come on look at that that's got that weird texture to it you're describing a clown's nose no clown's noses are like dead inside and they're (laughs) like an evil red like the the red trackball mice have uh it's, it's like a cool red it's like when you look into the into a fire for a couple of minutes and like the mm-hmm. red just hypnotizes you. That's the red it is. Surely they've made at least one novelty mouse. That's like a clown's face. And like for the clown's nose, it's like a trackball. And you can squeeze it and it honks. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like a squeezable trackball. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> honk, honk. I, yeah. God. All right. Well, I'm glad you're doing good. I do not want to ever think about that ever again do not send in pictures of that trackball clown mouse if it does exist and if you're using one right now stop there's probably a better thing that's good for your wrists for mouse get a, get a vertical mouse or something so manny we are indeed ready to begin the hot new segment standing ovation but before we're ready to begin the segment i have a great surprise for well it's not really a surprise for us because we already know about it but surprise for you the audience and it was a surprise for me like today when i saw our very first email and much to the sadness of Manny, this was an email about Joe's Bizarre Adventure. So I will be answering it here instead of in the a normal email spot. Okay, the email subject questions about the JoJo segment. Hello, I know basically nothing about Joe's Bizarre Adventure. So the JoJo segment is my introduction to the series. Is it a series or a manga or an anime? I don't know. Question, are you going through the stands in a specific order? 
Are stance given official numbering like Pokemon? Or is there an absence of numbering like Digimon? Is there a Jojo Dex is what I'm asking. Greatly enjoying the podcast. Extremely looking forward to when Robotech begins to adapt other shows. I've already seen SDF Macross, but not the other shows. And this will be a very fun way to watch those. Uh, they didn't say very. I added that. I'm sorry. It, it will be just a fun way to watch those. You don't want to put words in your mouth. And that was by Zach. Thank you so much for the email, Zach. We appreciate Thanks, it. Zach. Thanks, yeah, Zach. Thank you. Mandy, a little bit less thankful because now we get to talk about Joe's Bizarre Adventure more. Joe, uh, Mandy. Air quotes, get to talk about <laughs> Uh, Manny, do you want to try answering this, this this series of questions? Just like give your take on it. Uh, I hope that there is no sort of Joe Joe Jex. Joe, <laughs> Joe Jex. Uh, you know, oh man, I hadn't even considered some of yeah. these questions. <laughs> yeah, like uh, numbered. What order would you possibly put them? In? <laughs> oh my I, god! I guess chronologically, I don't really understand how Pokemon numbering works aside from like the obvious of of generations. Uh, and like the more important ones go in the front and the back, and then all the less important ones go in the middle. Yeah, all the trash ones are in the middle, and then the cool ones like Scyther are close to the end. I don't, I don't actually know what Scyther, Scyther Scyther's number is. To answer your question, though, uh, no, they are, these are not in a specific order. I'm choosing them so far. Uh, hopefully, I'll just keep doing it until I no longer can, or I have to really stretch. But I've just been choosing them across the whole range of the franchise based on what is most relevant to each episode. There are no official numberings, as I understand. Some some stands, by the way, are just like not are like literally not named. Like there might be a stand that's like Holly Stand, and we don't know what it does, but it does exist. So it's it's not that level of Pokemon or or even Digimon where everyone is like at least important enough to get something there. Just uh, so we impossible to do that with uh, stands. Although there are definitely more and less important ones. So uh, the the other shows, Manny, I want you to try to describe what is Joseph's Bizarre Adventure. Is it a series? Is it a manga or an anime or a combination? Uh, from, from osmosis, from kind of being in in your general vicinity, I think Jojo's Bizarre Adventure started as a manga, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been animated a couple of different times uh, until recently when it, it they seriously went into animation. But I think it's it's manga that's cut into generational arcs i think is that right yeah yeah part yeah, one that's... part two uh, and so on and each one involves i guess a different member of the family later on in the timeline uh, yes that is basically generally correct uh like okay. like 90 95 there yep so judges of our adventure uh each is divided into a part they're usually generational the latest few do like are like in a different universe but it's still generational within those universes. And uh, sometimes like the generations are not that far apart. Like the, the first two are like grandfather and grandson part three and part six are very close to each other. Time timeline wise as the characters from, from part three show up, but yes, it is a, a very, very long running franchise. There are, there are like video games based off it, but you know, those are based off the, the, the manga and, and the anime respectively. If, you know this if me talking about these stands makes it sound interesting you should check it out the first two parts don't have any stands at all so that's a little bit weird i still like them part one is very short and part two is very fun part three first part of stands i actually don't quite care for so maybe if i was reading through that because the the pacing of the anime is a a killer but uh, it is one of my favorite shows for a reason each part two a part that I, i i like about it is that the do a pretty good job of having a relatively distinct tone and like a thing that they're going for. Part one is like a horror thing. 
Part two is more of like a typical action adventure shonen thing. And part three introduces sort of like the puzzle fights in in the you know stand powers. A part four is like a, a slice of life, like small town story that has like a lot of like smaller like non fight situations that are really cool. Uh, part five is like part three, but not bad. Part part six is about a Florida prison. Uh, it like goes to a lot of different places and and does a lot of different things. I've got a question for you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Is it still ongoing? Yes, there's still uh, Mr. Araki has been putting those out since the 90s. He's going strong. He's made like he, part nine is being written right now. Things are coming out for part nine. Oh, wow. I believe so, it's the last so one. Does that mean it's like a 1000 plus chapters like like one piece? Yeah, it is longer than one piece, actually, right now. Wow. Yeah, there's more pages of Judges of Adventure than one piece you know, because it because it started earlier, uh, partly too. Uh, I'm saddened to know that. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, I think that basically answers the, the question. I'm also excited because I'm in the same boat to watch those other two shows. And uh, probably no one else is excited but me, but I'm excited to watch and uh, and read some of the extra Robotech content to see where they go from as a franchise. Yeah, thank you again so much for writing in. Uh, we uh, really appreciate it. Even Manny, even Manny who hates talking about JoJo, really appreciates it. I appreciate it, but also grumble, grumble. <laughs> but also never talk about JoJo in front of him ever again. All right. And now, <laughs> speaking of which, time for our JoJo segment. Yay. Clapping here. Uh, oh, clapping. Yeah. Air, air quotes clapping. I love the clapping. Whenever That's my favorite part of editing is when I can put some nice claps in and I just laugh and laugh and laugh. So we are doing yet another non-numbered, although I guess it is the sixth or arguably, you know, if you count the last three, like like the ninth or so, uh, stand that we'll be covering. Uh, do you have the document open and ready to in ready to scroll down. I'm ready to go. Awesome. All right, you two audience, get, I put those pictures in there for a reason. Go ahead and, and start looking at them and go ahead and scroll down right freaking now. All right, this looks like a, uh... Like a Jigglypuff Catman. <laughs> this is a Jigglypuff Catman. That's actually really good. It is a, a buff, sexy Jigglypuff Catman. He's got some cool biker gloves. He's got a wrestler's belt for some reason. Yeah, he's got like a championship belt. Yeah. Uh, gloves. The gloves are are not quite gloves. They're kind of just like leather straps to go over the arm and, and hands. Yes. Uh, also impertinent, he's a hairless cat. No hair. Oh yeah, like, like a little bit like uh like that Dragon Ball Z cat guy. Yes, uh, you could there. You can also see I included a third picture of a little kind of like a a turtle RC guy with yeah, yeah like a little Roomba turtle guy. Yeah, and uh, you know that's kind of one of his like, another one of his powers. Belt? Yes, it's like the same logo that's on his belt is like that's on his uh, the front of the RC car. So, Manny, this guy's name is Killer Queen. He has a power uh, that is uh, so pretty related to this episode, I feel like. Uh, what do you feel like he does? Uh, well, one of, one of the images here, uh, that little, the little bomb turtle thing is dropped into the ground. So I think this guy poops bombs. Okay. Yes. It's not untrue. Um, so I will say that the bomb does come off from him. It doesn't come from his butthole. It comes from his right hand. But that is correct. He does one other thing uh, with that, with with the 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 hand, or, or with the bombs, just in general as as, a, as an ability. Oh, okay, okay. Like unrelated to the little turtle fella. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Is it related to the belts? No, no. That that's just a cat guyness. Sorry, what'd you say? His cat guy ness is unrelated to his catness. Okay. 
Uh, I can't figure him out. <laughs> Man, you got to throw something at the wall. This is this is another, just like in the Pokemon segment, M does not allow it to continue until Jackson has made a guess for the name. I cannot allow this to continue until you've made a guess for the ability. Uh, well, he is he is definitely posing. So That's every JoJo character. <laughs> that is not a hint. Uh, okay, but he's he's more posing posing than previous fans in this segment. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say if you take if you take a hot photo of him a hot selfie the photo explodes. Yeah, I don't I don't hate it actually. I think it's kind of cool the one you came up with. Uh, it, in, incorrect, but but kind of cool. Uh, so this is uh, this is Killer Queen, and he does explode things. Uh, and so basically how it works is that when he touches you, he turns you into a bomb or really anything else, which he could then detonate by making like a little like detonation thing with his, his hands, like you know like when you do like a detonator switch like in call of duty you go oh, and you press the, the button yeah so he like pantomimes that and it makes you blow up uh no he should have an actual thing come on uh well if it makes you feel better he has a secondary ability that's that little turtle thing where he takes his right arm it comes off and then it turns into a rc tank that follows you around based on your heat signature and explodes like over and over again until you're dead okay i've got some questions about this this heat seeking rc mm-hmm. bomb turtle thing go ahead how many can he do at a time? One. He just has one right hand. So it just his right hand from a stand comes off and it just goes oh, around. So when he has this ability turned on, he doesn't have a right hand? His stand doesn't have a right hand, but it's still okay. psychically connected to his own right hand. What about so when see, it detonates? Does the arm regenerate? So uh, when it detonates, it doesn't actually like damage itself. Oh, so it's still there. Yes, yes. Okay. So it, it, keep, it keeps blowing up over and over again, but like doesn't actually do it. It's very durable. Uh, so you, you notice that it's kind of in the ground in that second photo. Yes, uh, it's actually... Well, 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 remember the last in? That was, uh, that was his thing, is that he made things heavy. So he, he punched that thing and made it go into the ground. There's a very humorous segment where the guy who's like controlling the stand is like out drinking coffee. And suddenly, like his right arm just like slams through the coffee table because uh, that guy made his his stand's hand really, really heavy. So now he just like has a huge, heavy hand in the middle of the restaurant. Everyone's staring at him. Wow, he shouldn't be having stand battles while hanging out at the restaurant. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool to do that. Yeah, this is this is actually the main bad guy part of a part four. There's one other power, but it's uh, complicated to explain, and uh, you know, it's a spoiler for anyone caring. And a Manny would be bored by it. And you know, what? I, I made you, I made you do three whole standabilities last time, and I don't want to do that. Thank you, thank you. I, thank I complained you. about it heavily. Yes, you did. You know, in in exchange, what do you think of this guy? I like his whole picture? Uh, I think I think he's he's got it going on. Ooh, positive. Definitely, definitely the most handsome one we've had so far. Yeah, he's hot. He's uh, a hot cat guy. He's he's rocking some hot sandals. Yeah. Uh, he he looks very ugly in the anime for some reason. They don't do a very good job translating his design, so I didn't put too many of those pictures in here. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think I think the stand is extremely cool, and I like him a lot. Oh yeah, I, I did want you to see so that little mysterious black bar is actually a GIF. Uh, I want you to go ahead and click that and and tell me what you think. That's just him exploding a guy. He's uh, touching the guy, and the guy just exploded. There was no stand involved. Yeah, uh, so he, at, least, at least like from. From my perspective, there was no stand involved until the actual explosion happened. Yeah, and do, do you see how that's related to to this this episode? Uh, I mean, yes, kind of, yeah. To touching the guy with your your right arm, and then he like puffs up and explodes. Yes, okay, I yeah. see what you're talking about. Okay, here. all right. So that's that's the relevance, and that's standing ovation.
thank you uh, for another great segment. Uh, that was fun. All right, let's uh, move on to your segment and see if you can you can beat me in this segment off, as we're always saying, you know, seg- segmenting each other off. Yeah. Tell me about off. Tell me about this voice actor. Voice actors. Let's see. We're doing Lieutenant Commander Claudia Grant today. Oh, she's cool. This is the Claudia Grant because this is the robot, Robotech one. Okay. Yep. Her name is the Claudia Grant. As a reminder, Macaw's name is Claudia LaSalle. Look forward to her next week. For today, though, Claudia Grant is voiced by one Iona Morris. Uh, Iona Morris, uh, she uh, has done actual acting uh, on top of voice acting. Basic info, born, born in L.A., so she's got some pedigree there into a family of, of actors. Uh, she is the daughter of uh, Greg Morris, a big, uh, a big uh, that guy in the 80s one hour you know, television scene. She, he's in uh, TJ Hooker. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No idea. Starring uh, William Shatner as a dirty cop. Uh, not a dirty cop, just a dirty cop. Uh, you know, Manny, I've always thought of like another podcast idea is that it'd be called like like some treks or something and it would be us only watching things not star trek that are related to star trek well boy do i have this segment for you today yeah uh greg morris her father also in uh tech war yeah well i i, I wouldn't watch tech war that that'd be the <laughs> that, that'd, that'd be the line we'd stop at uh one more that i'll name is he was in the love boat so he's he's got some he's got some good trek connections uh, she is sister to Phil Morris. You might know him as a little kid in the Star Trek original series episode, uh, Miri. Do you remember that episode? Uh, uh, well, it's not important if you remember or not, because uh, it wasn't just Phil Morris. It wasn't just her brother. Iona Morris was also in that episode. They were a little girl and little boy in that episode. All those TOS episodes about kids just go together in my mind. There's like three uh, of them. Th- this is the worst one, because there's that girl that, that is really hitting on Kirk. Kirk is like obviously uncomfortable about, about it, but uh, you know, it's a weird episode. Weird episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see. She's also Storm in the 90s X Men cartoon. That's cool. You ever watch that? Yes. I love that cartoon. Really? Wow. Yeah. Did you hear that thing that it turned out that the famous opening for that show was stolen by like some obscure European show? Oh, no. Come on. Don't do that. Oh. It was too good. <laughs> Yeah, that that sorry, the, the X Men stole that from from some obscure European show, yeah, yeah, and there was like a whole lawsuit over it. I'll, I'll have to show you after. It's very funny. It is exactly the opening theme. It's very close. Wow, it's like, it's like that Metal Gear Solid theme that they stole. Where they steal Metal Gear Solid theme from? Uh, it was like a early nineteen hundreds classical music piece, I think. Oh well, you can steal from classical music. That's fine. That's different. Wow. That's okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Opinion noted. Uh, I don't know Morris. Some more shows that she was in. Martin, Moesha, Cosby, Homeboys in Outer Space. So I get the feeling that she did a lot of uh, TV around kind of like the black experience in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also more Star Trek, Star Trek Voyager. Oh, who's she in that? She uh, was in one of my least favorite episodes, uh, the two-parter type of workforce where the entire crew was uh, brainwashed into thinking they were kind of just like employees in this planet that works people to death. She was a, a bar keep. Oh, huh. Wow. I'll, I'll have to go back and watch that when it's legal to do so. When it's legal to do so. For now, uh, you can play Leisure Suit Larry Six <laughs> in her voice performance. Is she really in that? Wow. She's really in that, yes. 
Is she like a romance partner? Uh, yes, I believe she is. Great. She's uh, done a couple of, of, of like background voices for, for big games like uh, Fallout 4 and GTA 5, that kind of stuff. Just one last thing I want to name here is she did 65 episodes of Captain Harlock, which I think is more episodes than she, than she does in uh, Robotech. Oh, wow. Yeah, she must be a main character there. That's wild. I hope we never cover that show. That seems like a huge pain in the ass. And I watched one episode of like the actual Captain Harlock. I thought it was very boring. Uh, yeah. Also, I, I don't kind of I, I don't like the way it looks that much. Yeah, I agree. I uh, like you know, the, what is it? It's like a uh, Legimoto. No, no, those those super wide eyes and those like extra thin, super long bodies. Not not for me. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, I I com- combined his name, his first name, last name is a Leji Matsumoto, not Lejimoto. Wow. Oh, okay. I guess it's kind of cool, like a little portmanteau. Yeah, you could use that. Like that's that's your your fan name for him. Yeah. Great. Uh, wow. What a what a cool bunch of roles. I hope in GTA you could just hear her say her famous line from this show: "Pathetic, pathetic." Yeah. Uh, and just one quick note: she. Will be uh, she'll be back in the later iterations of Robotech. Oh, like some uh, of the sequel stuff. Crossing Mosquito, yes. Okay, cool. All right, we'll hear from her again. Great, thank you oh, yeah. for telling me about this wonderful voice actress. It's very cool and regular actress. She does yeah. it all. Yeah, She's still alive. Uh, yes, she is. I I looked her up in in uh, a couple of interviews. Nothing really cool to talk about, except that she does a lot of work with the uh, NAACP. Oh, that's great. And uh, once I saw her, I was like, oh, I, I kind of recognize her from that Voyager episode. I was picturing you going to an NAACP event and say, hey, I loved you in Robotech. You were so cool. Oh, man, I loved you in Moesha. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on to talking about Macross and Robotech. Oh, wow. We started to like, do a whole summary reading thing. Wow. All right. And we'll start now with episode six of Macross, Daedalus Attack. Hey, it's two months later and the city is rebuilt. Our boy Hikaru is in basic training, shooting at normal human-sized targets. On his first day off, Minmay takes him shopping. Sounds fun. Anyway, things are getting pretty Star Trek down engineering. There's a space-time distortion, and Chief Engineer Evil Eyes thinks he can put it to good use. In the Zentradi Command Center, they're trying to figure out why the Macross hasn't gone back to ship form. The vaguely man-shaped ship is headed for Saturn, and Commander Bertai thinks he smells a slow-cooked trap. And he likes that smell. Hikaru and Minmay are now back at the Yan Yan Cafe, and he's just about to show off his sweet old school gangster rap merch to the mayor when Faka drops in and says, Hey, Hikaru, we are going alien shoot. Move your ass. Making their way to the barracks, Hikaru gets his balls kicked by pretty much the entire bridge crew for being, being a glow, for being a gross floor panty pervert and for calling his superior officer an old lady. Bummer. On the bridge, bewitching Bruno is slow cooking a trap in the rings of Saturn, and he almost looks cool for a hot minute, but then he bangs his head on the doorframe and looks like a big dum-dum instead. Hikaru's having a bummin' at the park. He's looking hella conflicted, standing by the fountain when Minmay comes running up. He tries to open up about his concerns about going into combat for the first time, but Minmay is just telling him to 360 no-scope those big fools and to come out with a high KD ratio, then shows off her sweet dress, completely not giving a damn that Hikaru putting his life in danger tomorrow. Instead, they call over the sick selfie stick robot and print out a hot 8x10. Minmay says she better get home because she doesn't want anyone to see them out late in the park. And I uh, think they're going out or anything, so Hikaru resumes his bum out. Hey, the ship has a pinpoint barrier now! They sure put that space-time distortion in good use. 
The surprise attack is about to begin, and we see some beautifully painted backgrounds as the Valkyries fly in and around the rings of the gas giant. The big plan is to hide in the shadow cast on the rings, but one of Saturn's moons, probably Encletus, and launch a surprise attack from there. The battle begins and looks like a surprise attack is working. The main enemy ship is in the firing line of the Macross's main gun, and brilliant Bruno gives the order to open fire. All he gets for his trouble is a big wet fart. Looks like the pinpoint barrier is keeping the main gun from working. Wow, you suck. Bungalim Bruno. He instantly sinks into his chair and gives up all hope. The pinpoint barrier ladies are damn near having sexual experiences, moving their crystal trackballs around to maneuver the itty-bitty barriers to intercept enemy attacks. Misa Hayase to the rescue. She comes up with a plan and gets the crew working on carrying it out while baby Bruno tries not to get in the way. Hikaru's Valkyrie crashes into the enemy ship. He comes face to face with another big honking alien dude and freezes up again. Meanwhile, the Macross uses one of the aircraft carrier arms protected by focused pinpoint barriers to punch into the enemy ship. The carrier opens its bay doors to reveal Helimex pointing Hela missiles at the soft inside to the enemy ship. That ship explodes real good, let me tell you. Just like that, stand. Hikaru escapes just in time and back on the bridge. It's all high fives. The captain nods approvingly like he actually did something. The narrator then tells us Hikaru is a real soldier now for some reason. Is that what the... I don't think that's really what the narrator says. I, I feel like that's kind of what she said in, in, in Macross. That like he's... he's With each time he gets into combat, he's becoming a, a better and better soldier. Here, I, I have it pulled up. Not I didn't have it pulled up just to disagree with you, but I do have it pulled up. Uh, so let me let me read it to you as it comes out. The Macross one, right? Yes, if I, yes, the Macross one. Do okay. not take me for a fool. However, try as he might, Hikaru could not erase the image of the terrified soldier's face from his mind. Wait for it to go through. <laughs> At that moment, when faced with a flesh and blood person, Hikaru had found himself unable to pull the trigger. Fokker told him that he was no different at first. Now able unflinchingly to pull the trigger against enemy ships, Hikaru felt that somewhere in his heart, he was losing touch with his emotions. Yeah, a real soldier. <laughs> That's not what that says. <laughs> I mean, look, that is our, our read on it. But to, to explain to the people as an actual summary, that is not what the narrator says. The narrator says Hikaru is really fucked up. He's going through some shit right now. He is going through the traumas of war. And Farka says, yeah, I kind of went through that too. Um, so, you know, in, in many ways, it is becoming a true soldier. But it, it is not like the narrative is not going out there and saying, like, it's a good thing. Uh, well, I don't think becoming a real soldier is, is a good thing. So, okay. You're, I obviously don't think that either, Manny. You, you know that. I, look, I'm sorry for big dogging you for your own summary. I'm sorry for contradicting you. Right. But we need, we need to tell the truth. Okay. Like in that one Aaron Sorkin show about telling the news, you know, that one clip when they're, on like the the plane and uh, Bin Laden dies. You know what I'm talking about? No. No. We reported the news. It's a it's a funny it's it's, it's a whole thing. Anyway, it's like that. We've we've got it. We've got it. We're here to report the news. Uh, otherwise, right. good good summary. Well, thank you. I appreciate uh, your support. Are are you? I bet you're you're like racing to the bits. You're going to find a contradiction in my summary, and you're going to put me over the coals for it. Uh, no, 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 I'm not. Why would I do that to you? <laughs> no reason to to enact revenge. It's gonna be it's gonna be something stupid. I'm gonna like accidentally call a character their their Macross name or something, and you're you're gonna you're gonna thoroughly pwn me, as the kids say. Anyway, yeah. Anything else about this? A lot a lot of bum outs in the summary. A lot of fighting. Uh, I, I do I do like your feminist angle to it that that constantly puts down Bruno. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, he really he really he like bungling Bruno, right? 
Yeah, yeah he, he, he bungled it. He he bungled. He and the engineer, you know, two men fucked up. This is a feminist episode of the show. That is my very stupid read. That is not actually what what I think. I do not actually think this episode is all that a feminist, but it's cool. Yeah, thank you for another very cool summary. I also, I also like slow cooking a trap. That was that was a good bit of your summary. Oh, uh, thank you, thank you. And then I, I brought it back later on with Bruno cooking a trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the way it smelled. Uh, so I've got a summary in front of me too. What when you know? Wow. It starts episode six, Blitzkrieg. Rick did a cool Rocky Rambo training montage, and now he's a soldier. On his first leave, Rick and Minmay go on a friend date, where she leads him into the lingerie store. That's what we did for when we were in Houston. You, you also let me into a lingerie store. Oh, yeah. No, totally. For sure. <laughs> and I, I just left you there. I said, uh, I'm going to go change. Don't you peek. Don't you, don't you empty your comically oversized bag of random items and go crawling under the floor everywhere. That's what you said. Hey. Yeah. Uh, like uh, He said, darn paper bags that I'm <laughs> dropping here. While there, Rick gets into trouble as he's mistaken for a pervert by the bridge crew, including Lisa, for... Uh, Picking up some things he obviously dropped on the ground in the middle of the store. That was very weird. Mm-hmm. The woman who works there saw everything but does nothing to help poor Rick. I, me, Manny, <laughs> would not have stood for this. And I would have demanded to speak with her manager and get the employee in trouble, <laughs> as I have many times before. Because that's me, Manny, Karen, GF. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably where you will say this is not true. Uh, I'm reading in parentheses. <laughs> Own it. Later, the girls will call him gross, a gross pervert to his face. I, th- I think the word <laughs> that uh, Sammy uses is lecher, not pervert. All right. This is the own. Okay. This is the own. All pervert right. was in Macross. <laughs> lecher is Robotech. I'm, I just got Linkara just now. The Boom. continuity style Boom. got me. Uh. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's some space-time distortion magic causing a bunch of pretty lights in the ship's generator. Later, the demon-eyed engineer will find a way to utilize this defensively using humanity's greatest control scheme, trackball. <laughs> On the Zentradi ship, they're like, wow, giant robots are dumb and plan to attack. They think the humans will hide in the rings of Saturn like little babies. However, Henry is no baby <laughs> and plans to do the episode title thing. That's, that's, that was weird to me. I want to talk about why they, they changed it to Blitzkrieg. Uh, we, we both called Henry, we've called uh, the global uh, a baby, which is pretty funny. <laughs> And speaking of babies, Rick invites Minmay out for another friend date late at night. Rick's all bummed out about going to to war, uh, but Minmay doesn't really seem to get it. Rick's first battle starts uh, on an embarrassing note, getting big dogged by Lisa for like a solid minute over him doing some cool stunts. Everybody else was doing cool stunts. Why don't <laughs> you get on him? His day gets even worse when he retreats into the enemy loading bay and comes face to face with a terrified Zentradi warrior. Rick is so taken aback, he's unable to take a shot. Battle crosses. What is that? That just feels wrong to say. The <laughs> battle crosses for a while. And unfortunately, the power of the trackball barriers is so much so that the Macross is unable to fire its main guns. In desperate straits, Lisa says, let me cook, Captain. <laughs> and comes up with one of the coolest super robot attacks ever. Using the trackball energy, she converts it into the Macross's fist and punches the enemy ship halfway through. Then the fist opens up to reveal a bunch of robots who shoot out like a thousand missiles directly into the ship's heart. He doesn't come up with a cool name, though. They don't, they don't say the name in, in Robotech? Uh, no, she says, like, prepare to attack, Daedalus, instead okay. of saying, Daedalus, attack, and it's the coolest Daedalus thing attack. ever. Yeah, yes. and they don't have that in uh, Ro- Robotech for some godforsaken reason. As the enemy ship super explodes, the ending narration seems a little bit confused over if Rick is 
traumatized or simply going through puberty. <laughs> Finn. Yeah, the ending narration for Robotech is just like, Rick's going through a lot of changes right now, and he doesn't quite understand. <laughs> Rick slowly began to realize that things were changing inside him. Uh, he's been through a lot that day. And, and, uh, he's, man, poor Rick, right? Yeah, it's rough. First, he gets, you know, friend, friend dated. He obviously wants a little bit more than friend dates, but that's all he can get. Like, he, uh, he, he goes deeper into the friend zone. It's like dense jungle of friend zone at this point. There's no way he's going to find himself out. He he really is an accessory uh, in this episode. Just just like Methodist warned, where Minmay is just uh, taking him, embarrassing him in, in lingerie stores. You know, I will say, obviously joking about, please do not get people in, in trouble for not defending you. But pretty rude to that lady. Like, if I, if I was working there, I would have maybe, like, tr- tried to solve that situation a little bit if I saw it. Like, hey, relax, lady. Just, like, pick it, picking stuff up. She yeah, maybe just laughs it off. That yeah. is very uncool, lady. Yeah. Like at some point, I get it. You know, you're in retail. Shit sucks. Shit sucks, and you need you need every little bit of amusement you can you can get to to get by. Yeah. Yeah. But also, also don't leave a brother hanging like that. Come on, man. Very rude. not cool. In in the Macross dub, she literally cackles. <laughs> Did you like my my summary? All my good jokes in there. Good good jokes. I like uh, giant robots are dumb. It's a bad robot. Mm-hmm. I like the part where you made me say that I uh, abuse retail <laughs> employees. Yeah, that was that was a uh, another bad part of our trip. Where every time we go in a place, you like no matter what, you'd ask to speak to the manager. Uh, I never once asked to speak to the manager. In fact, you are the one that sent back your food. <laughs> did I you remember? Oh yeah, that's right. I did. I did send uh, excuse back my me, I don't have the chocolate chips on my pancake. <laughs> I they gave me the wrong one. I just wanted my red pancake. It's all I yes, but you didn't have to scream at the poor girl. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I, I did. I did em- embarrass you by by saying you were my my creepy internet friend when you were in fact my normal internet friend. That was uh, I was not embarrassed by that. I just thought it was weird. <laughs> it was weird. It was also funny. Uh, yeah. The the server thought it was very funny. It seemed like or very weird. Hard no, no, you can't. You can't do. You can't do bits like that. Like they're they're they're, they're the server. They have to laugh. Like you're putting them in a position where they have to laugh at whatever you say. It's as someone who has done a lot of fake server laughs and worked with a lot of, of servers. It seemed like a pretty legitimate laugh to me. Yeah. Well, um, well that server was good at it. That's all I can tell you. Uh, fair, you know, fair enough. Um, I'll, 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 we'll never really know if you thought that was, that, that was funny or not. Uh, anyway. Yeah. This ep- episode, uh, Blitzkrieg and Daedalus attack. Do you think it'd been cooler if, like Lisa said, Blitzkrieg instead of Daedalus Attack? No, Daedalus Attack is infinitely cooler. Let's uh, start from the beginning. Let's go back to the start and kind of make our way through the episode. Sounds so, good. Hikaru is a soldier now. Hikaru is a soldier. You like that little training montage scene? Yeah. He did He did like a double 360 in the air. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that. Like He's just like, oh, I'm going to flip twice and land and then just shoot super accurately at these dudes. You really learn a lot in a small time period on the Macross. Yes. I, re- I really thought he should have been fu- uh, shooting much, much bigger sized targets. They're not really shooting humans. They're shooting like 20 meter tall people. You know, I guess like it's good to aim for the harder things because if, you know, your target is like 10 times bigger than you expected, it's like way easier to aim. Unless they're all upon you, then you don't know where to aim. Uh, I mean, if they're all upon you, you could just shoot anywhere and you'll hit something. Yeah, but then the body's going to land on you, man. Oh, you're right. That's that's sad. It's like when you come down a tree, you got to make sure it's going the right way. 
do you think do you think we've seen everything we need to see? Like do do we just know he carves a soldier now or is this gonna be an ongoing thing? I think it's gonna be an ongoing thing. It seems like his like level of, of trauma here is going to be reflective of what he can do as a soldier. You know, like he he wasn't able to shoot that guy. That was a very important part as a soldier, you know, all that training, that big target in front of him. Once yeah, he says like, training shoot guys, and that was the one thing he couldn't do. Yeah. It's because they don't they don't tell you like, hey, it's gonna feel bad when you shoot a guy who doesn't want to be shot. He's he's so human, he's so sad. I mean, he did have a terrified look on his face. Yeah. He's he's just like this entrati janitor. He he wasn't even like a fighter, he's just hanging out, grabbing a ham sandwich, scared the hell out of him. <laughs> this entrati scruffy. Yeah. So the lingerie scene, we, we both noticed a little bit unusual. I thought it was going to be specifically that the items would drop underneath like the changing room and he would like put his hand over there, like put, you know, God forbid his whole head under the changing room. And so I that's mean, what would be up. like a burger. Like, like, Min may say, Hey, don't peek. Yeah. And and this is anime. So that, yeah. that's what should happen. Right. Yeah. So logically like he would put his hand in there and so we'd see that. Like, oh, he's like doing some creepy stuff, but he's like just kind of dropping stuff like in the lobby of the lingerie thing. And, like, like he wasn't what close to any underwear. He wasn't close to any changing room. He was just kind of standing there. And then, yeah. and then the bridge crew show up, and he's like, "Wow, look at this fucking pervert! Let's get it out of here." Yes, if that's what makes you a pervert, then you know what? I'm a little sick freak because I'm dropping stuff and picking it up all the time. Wow, you should drop stuff so much. <laughs> I, I I try not to. Yeah, we go on to learn a little bit about the weird barrier magic that is later made into trackball defense. What did you think of this whole subplot scene? Uh, it, it... I, I don't get it. I, I don't get like, there's just so much that they don't understand about this ship. It, it's just so weird. Mm-hmm. And, and he just found like, Oh, like there's this weird rupture in the space time continuum. I guess, I guess I could put this to good use. I don't know. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, they, they did, you know, like in a small period of time, what they did is pretty cool. It's sort of a weird solution, but it's very funny. They just like trackballing it around the ship. What it, well, probably my favorite scene in this episode, aside from the, the Daedalus attack, is all, all three of them doing the, as you said, sexually charged trackball emotions. No, no, not just the motions, like the, the what they were saying too. Oh man. What's funny, I didn't get any sexual vibes from that at all. My opinion was, in fact, quite the, the opposite. Well, depending on where you are in your life, I guess, but uh, rather the opposite in terms of how I'd feel. I thought. There is nothing in my life that could possibly put me into more of a panic than putting me into a room, giving me a trackball, and saying, hey, you need to navigate a three-dimensional space with this trackball, and if you don't, people will die. There's there's nothing worse that you could ask me to do in the history of my life that would send me into more of a panic. That'd, that'd be so hard. That'd be horrible. The worst control system possible for that. One of the operators literally said, no, don't do me from the side. Go from the front. Two very different experiences here: uh, okay. panic and and sex. <laughs> that that was that was like your English dub, though. That wasn't even in the in in, in the show, was it? Uh, it it was it was in the Macross Japanese. Oh, okay, and it was almost. Uh, it, it said it didn't say "Don't do me from the side." I think it says in Robotech it says "Don't come from the side," something like that. <laughs> which, which which could be even more suggestive depending I mean, on it. Like, don't come from the side, not don't come from the side. It's different. Yeah. But, but you agree though. Like if you were in that situation, that would be like the worst thing ever, right? Uh no, I, I would be having fun with those trackballs, just rolling those things up and down. Okay. Yeah. 
they, they should they should make a game that's just that just like the trackball barrier moving around i think it'd be cool uh isn't there like some versions of asteroids where you can just do that hmm. look at that 3d asteroids eh what do video gamers come up with next so then some some other stuff happens the next scene is the bridge crew meets with with Fokker and and rick now uh, this is back in the barracks so so this is where uh, rick and hikaru have to be respecting of the chain of command right uh, and instead he just says hey what's up uh Sourpuss? Is that is that what he calls her? Yes, he, he calls her Sourpuss in Robotech and just like an old, old hag in, in Macross, or just like yeah. Opasan, I think is the, the exact wording there. And they're they call him a pervert. She's like, hey, I'm not you shouldn't be talking shit when you're laying around in lingerie shops, you little weirdo. She gives like a she gives like the side eye, the stink yeah. eye. Like, mm-hmm. no. Yeah, it's like their first like real interaction. That's not like yelling at each other from a screen, I guess. What did you think of uh, of their interactions this episode? It really goes up and down between uh, her yelling at him and at the very end, kind of being like, you know, I actually don't mind him insulting me so much. Uh, I, I that I don't I don't know if she meant that, but but really, she was she was just like, what, what did I say in my summary? Ball kicking, like that. That's really. She was just putting him through the ringer this this whole mm. episode, I think. Okay, she was doing it for fun. Uh, I don't know, if for fun, more more like just reacting to the situation she was in. Like like she's like, oh, this is the guy that that uh, talks smack. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk smack right back, and then later on when he's in his Valkyrie, I'm gonna yell at him. Uh, so good. But but what about at, at the very last thing where Claudia is like, I wish these guys would stop insulting us, and she's like, I actually don't mind it that much. You know, Lisa Lisa says that. What do, what do you make of that? No, I thought she was just being professional. Like, I don't care. Not my problem. I'm here okay. to just get stuff done. I don't think she's that good at that, though, because when she got called old, she freaked the fuck out. She's not that great at, at being professional, at being yelled at. I think she meant it. I think she legitimately was like, actually, it is not my, I do not mind the interaction with this person that much. I, I think it is like kind of endearing in some way. Hmm. I'll, I'll have to see a little bit more to, to, to be on your side. For now, right. for now, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, a little bit after this, one funny difference here is the uh, you know like Hikaru goes goes to sleep. Fokker comes in, tucks him in. A little bit of a funny line where in Robotech, instead of counting sheep, Fokker says like counting like jet fan engines. Jet. Yeah, that's what he says. Oh yeah, fan jets. That's pretty funny. And then when they're having a big meeting, there's some guy up on a podium talking about oh, this. this, this tech. Yeah, it, extremely funny line difference. I've written down here. Um, so after talking about the plan in Macross, he says, needless to say, I expect you to show me your hearts as uh, true pilots in Robotech. He says something just a little bit different. He says, you will all receive your orders tomorrow, but until then, I want you to think of just one thing, Robotech. Yes. <laughs> what is that? What even is that? I mean, I guess it's what the ship's made out of. They should be thinking about what the ship's made out of because no one else knows. They're like, what are these fucking gravity things coming out of it? What's this weird like, space-time the, anomaly? The engineers of the ship don't know what are these planets <laughs> uh, Also, those pilots, like, it was weird. We we get uh, shots of three different pilots. One of them is Hikaru, just, just, a, mm-hmm. just a kid. And the other two are just like these big, gruff dudes that look super cool. I want to know. I want to see more of those guys. They're not going to make it. No, they probably died out in the battle. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. During the the date, uh, what's what's your thoughts of? I guess you mentioned a little bit earlier that Hikaru putting himself deeper in the friend zone. He at least seems a little bit more chill about it this episode, which is cool. Uh, yeah, he's not he's not 
he's not bummed out about that. He's bummed out about just men may not even caring that he's going to go out to, into combat. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about that? We, we saw some grounded men may think a few episodes ago. And this is think- like the opposite of that. She's just like completely in a different zone than, than he is. Yeah. She does not comprehend that he might die. That being a soldier is a very dangerous thing that he might get shot. And like, even if he doesn't like get shot, he might, you know, have to shoot someone else, which is what happens in this episode and the mental load that that'll, that'll take on him. Uh, so he's just completely airheaded about it, which uh, Hikaru is, you know, reasonably and unreasonably bummed out against that reasonably because of course, like you, you want to... your friends to care, even, even if, even if he's being friend zoned, like he still, he still would want his friend to care, to express some sort of concern. Yes. Not just like, Oh, you'll be all right. It's your first battle. You're going to do great. Yeah. And, I say unreasonably because Hikaru is subscribing this level of emotional maturity to someone that like he should know is not capable of it because of, you know, both the way that she is like as a person, I think. And also because she is once again, a 15 year old girl that he has put a lot of these aspirations on that that she is not capable of doing, which is a little bit unfair to her as well. Uh, It's unfair to her, but he should also know better. Uh, Like you said, she's 15, but also, uh, he spent like two weeks with her in yeah. like a cave. Uh-huh. Come on, you know better than this. Yeah, he he really should. One one big fun Robotech moment. Uh, I, yeah, I want to see if you can guess. I think I told you there's a part in Robotech where they made a creative decision where I cheered. Can you can you guess that moment? Is it in the scene that we're talking about? Uh, no, uh, I, I, we're talking about the date. Yes, yes, yeah. it's in the date. Is it is it the the, the selfie robot? Yes, I cheered when. The selfie robot came down and he started talking. And I yes. said, yes, fuck yeah. Such uh, a fun I have, I have here that the selfie robot asked them to say cheese and they didn't. <laughs> he's so sad. He's He knows the secret to Robotech, but he's not going to tell anyone because no, none of these motherfuckers say cheese to him. Yeah, yeah. If they just said cheese, he would have printed it out on a nice glossy 8x10 photo. Do you think he's a part of the ship? Is he like... I don't know if the ship's in Trotty, but like, is that he's is he alien technology just like floating around down there? Uh, no, I think with with how familiar Hikaru is with with the tech, and also judging from the uh, vending machines that follow you in episode one, I'd say no, this is just native Earth technology that they're used to. Yeah, yeah. Quickly, what did you think of all the different little uniform colors? I know you love talking about your your space uniforms. Uh, I don't know too much. I think Hikaru's looks good on him uh, for for like a mech show protagonist mm-hmm. he's, he's got like the the nice like vibrant blue pants yeah red accents uh, i really mean like specifically the different color stripes like in the big group scene there's like they're all like color coordinated and like different vibrant colors oh, i didn't pay too much attention to that scene okay fair enough uh, wait, wait, uh, was it all the same uniform with just different color schemes yes yes they're all, all the same uniform with like different colored stripes uh, like, I wonder, I wonder like if that's different departments or, or different squadrons because the squadrons were color coded, right? Yeah, uh, the squad. Two two of them died, just like they barely mentioned. Like yeah, red and brown got yeah, like the whole squadron completely wiped out. Or I guess the part of the squadron that went out. Yeah, the the rest of them are, are having uh, slightly less friend zone dates inside. They they got the short long straws. Not too much else other than the the big attack there, Daedalus attack. Very cool, super fucking sick. I. Like one of the coolest things in, in Macross. Uh, yes, I, I was surprised when it first happened. I was like, "Wow, wow!" Like this is the first time this show has uh, 
has made me go back and look at a scene and just like admire it. It's so sick. If you're not watching along with the show, you should at least go and find this on YouTube and watch it. Cause it's, yes. it's a great, really cool scene. Uh, uh, that, that, that was one part of the surprise me. And then the other was like, I mentioned in, in my summary, the, the beautiful painted stills that they use as backgrounds for the mm. Saturn, or like the rings. I really liked them. They all really jumped out to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful episode. Uh, not not too much actually happens in it other than that one extremely cool set piece. Yeah, I think it was, this episode is really uh, the the battle set piece and the date. Yeah, non date. The last thing I want to talk about is the the ending narration difference. Do, do you have anything else you want to want to bring up before we get there? Just, uh, just little, little bits and bobs here, like right. uh, in in Robotech, they continue having mostly bad music. But then, like, just randomly, one really good piece of music. There was there was one piece of music early on in the battle scene that sounded like the Knight Rider theme, and I was really into it. And then they just went into weird like xylophones or something. Hey, good bit, good Bob. Henry says, "My God!" in Russian, really funny. I don't know how to pronounce Bozhmoy. I think it's, it's yeah, real, real Dios mio energy right there. <laughs> my my favorite Russian word, Dios mio. <laughs> Do you think that guy in The Simpsons would be funnier if he was Russian? Uh, I, I think it would be funnier if the captain was the the bumblebee guy from the Simpsons. <laughs> uh, is he like? Is he racist? That bumblebee guy. Uh, speaking as 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 a person of Mexican descent, I don't think he's racist. Okay, I, I he's hilarious, and he's just another another mascot that that, that we have in all our programs. Okay. Yeah, I have not thought about that guy since I played like Simpsons and Run. So I was, I was curious if, if he was like cool or not. Well, glad, glad to see he is. Mexican approved. Yeah, send, send in questions about the Bumblebee Simpsons guy. We'd be glad to answer them. Please do not. <laughs> could, could Joe Biden defeat the, the, the Bumblebee guy from the Simpsons? Yeah, with his Biden blast? Come on. Ooh, against against the the Biden bee, I feel like I feel like Biden like would have an allergy to bumblebees in real life. You know, bumblebees. I don't know. I I I, I think I think Biden could handle like five bumblebees, but not six. I'm just picturing like Biden doing a press conference with like thirty bees surrounding him. He just like doesn't notice. They're all like singing him over and over again. Uh, that's really Mike Pence. Right <laughs> yeah, Mike Mike Pence in the fly. Classic meme. Anyhow, wow. Yeah, let's, let's let's talk about the, the narration real bit right. before I, I cringe myself into oblivion. The so yeah, the, the big difference in narration here. Matt Cross, I already read in uh, that that segment before, but uh, essentially saying that Rick is or sorry, uh, Hikaru is going through some shit. He like was not able to pull the pull the trigger. He's realizing kind of what it means to be a soldier as things like continue to evolve. Uh, Robotech's very different. Uh, it has like the puberty guidelines. Does not really seem to come away that he's traumatized in in point of fact. It just seems to say that he is like becoming. In fact, what what Manny's summary said that he's like becoming more of a soldier is, is how I read it. Rick couldn't erase the memory of the Zentradi soldier's terrified face from his mind. He felt he simply could not fire at another living being. He mentioned this to Volker. Roy said that he had felt the same way when he was a new recruit, but that Rick shouldn't worry. Experience would erase all doubts. Rick slowly began to realize that things were changing inside him, as he had little trouble firing on the battle pods during combat. What did you think of that? Uh, it, it was weird, like that narration over over like the clearly distressed face of Ikaru. 
Yeah. The Robotech has a few times now made that same decision where it's pushed back on his traumatization, you know, in, in bits and pieces. First, when he you know, has the incident where he uh, fi- sees the Zentradi for the first time, like in person, where he's much more traumatized than Macross. And same here, but this time, like more externally, like we're told explicitly that he is just kind of, uh, you know, hey, Fokker said it was okay. Everyone goes through this. Yeah. Nothing to worry about. Uh, I like. I think a couple of times they've just straight up like excised like Hikaru's flashbacks of that first giant dude. Yeah, like just completely gone. And now, now it's just like, oh wow, Hikaru is just thinking, wow, it's weird that we're in a, in a interstellar war or something, right? Something like that. Yeah, and I'm getting a lot of like hair around my genital area. What's up with that? <laughs> and his voice does get a little, a little. Uh, oh, yeah, creepy, right. Yeah, he, he, his voice does drop at the very beginning, right before he does this, the sweet stunts that Lisa yells at him for. I, I oh, I thought one one, one thing about I like when she said "Shut up, Hunter." Reminded me of "Shut up, Wesley." <laughs> Shut up, Hunter. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like it. Yeah. All right. Um. You know, overall, not too much that happens in this episode, but some of also like the coolest shit that had ever happened in anime happens in this episode. Macross, I think, much better. I do not like the attempts of, of Robotech, you know, intentionally or or not that downplay the more interesting things like the the trauma that Hikaru experiences, especially because like it'll it'll kind of go back and forth in a bit of an awkward way anyway. Like it's still there, just not treated well. Uh, so I, I think the episode works worse because of it. However, I do think the just remember Robotech and the talking camera are very fun additions to Robotech. So who can say if it's uh, good or bad or not? Yeah, you got to take the good with the bad. Manny, what's your your final thoughts on on these episodes? Uh, Final thoughts is I don't see how they're going to land the Daedalus attack again. Everybody (laughs) everybody saw it. They're just going to like, no, we're not going to let ourselves get punched by the ship. You have to learn boxing. You know, you have to do like a feint. You have to like like pretend you're doing going for a right, but then you do like a left uppercut, and then there's a try to be like, ah, fuck, ah, fuck. But it only works if you load up all the all the mechs with all the missiles into into the hand. So if you're fainting, you gotta. You got to know ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that, that'd, be, that'd be the plan. Maybe they have like a bunch of dummy balloons, like in Gundam. That'd be cool. Mm. Uh, are they going to, are they going to turn the ship back into a ship at some point? Probably. They'll probably figure out how to do that. Do they, they, they not know? Way. Like, did they lose the switch or something? Uh, they might've said in this episode, but I believe the reason is that they just don't want to do another transformation that will fuck over the civilian populace. Once again, is my understanding. Oh, that's, that's weird because they really have to do it. Again, don't they? So it's not just me, right? Like Bruno is, is much a much worse captain than than Henry, right? No, yeah, Bruno sucks. Like super sucks. Yeah, Bruno wow. is, is a little beta boy. We, we we keep saying it, and it keeps being true. Like Henry almost almost felt like he was working together with with Lisa, or or at least backing her up properly to kind of, to get the plan worked out. Uh, whereas Bruno is just kind of super passive. He's like, yeah, yeah, I guess I'll let yeah, what whatever, man. And then just sunk into his chair. Yeah, pretty pretty shameful. Great. Well, that's that's basically our show. I guess we can you know do do a quick cross up based on the name. Do you like a Blitzkrieg, Mar? You know, just just in form of the name, or do you like the other Daedalus Attack? Which Daedalus uh, Attack? It is a much better name. Daedalus is a much cooler name than Blitzkrieg. Yeah, especially Lisa saying it. Daedalus Attack. Uh, I don't agree with the change. I don't. I don't see why they changed it. Like, what is a blitzkrieg? A blitzkrieg is, is like a like a rush combined arms attack, right? I, I guess that's what that is. Well, it's a very specific, loaded term about 
specifically uh, a tactic uh i think i think world war ii that yeah, 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 yeah. It is a term that was, I think, later ascribed. I don't know if they used it at the time. At least it didn't get widespread use until after the war. I have Wikipedia up right now. Uh, one sentence. The origin of the term Blitzkrieg is obscure. It was never used in the title of a military doctrine or handbook of the German army or air force. And no coherent doctrine or unifying concept of Blitzkrieg existed. Yes, that's, that's pretty much what I thought. It was just l- l- ascribed to German tactics after the war, I think. Yes, it, it is really weird for them to use it at all in this context. Like, you know, they, you can just say surprise attack. Yeah. Like, if they said it in the original Japanese and they kept it, I understand. But for them to add it, uh, because it's, you know, a pretty, like, loaded term considering, like, the Nazis the one who, who did this, you guys. Mm-hmm. So you know what are we doing here, Henry? Why why you got to add some Nazi coded shit here? Not cool, yeah, especially if he's Russian. Yeah, you think he know? You think he know like not to not to bring that shit up? So it's a little bit of a weird decision to use that that term there, like a little bit loaded, dude. And and it, like even if you go by like what is what is generally accepted to be a blitzkrieg, I'm not sure if what he did work applies all that much to it. Yes, a surprise attack is not a blitzkrieg. A blitzkrieg is like a comprehensive strategy for a number of soldiers and you know, army units uh, to attack, like over a period of, of places. From from my understanding, anyway, uh, like it does not appear to be like a one-time attack thing. We'd be like, oh, we got blitzkrieg just now. You know, you wouldn't say that. No, <laughs> at least I wouldn't. I wouldn't say, oh, I just got blitzkrieg. <laughs> You just at the shoe store. Somebody threw a shoe at you. Oh, I just got blitzkrieg. You know, out of any any ethnic cultures, I probably would be the one who could say that, given the cultural context of World War II. Anyway, that's the episode. Pretty cool. I'm very happy once again to be doing this here with you, man. It's a great time. I'm excited to watch more episodes of Matt Cross and Robotech and, and talk about them. And, uh, you know, we're approaching the Clip Show episode in a, f- you know, a few weeks, and that's going to be the most fun one yet. Yeah, for it. Yeah, and since we we did get an email, we you too can have your email read on this very show completely for free. We won't even pay you. Uh, you won't eat more pay us. No one, no money will be exchanged for the reading of emails. And you can email us at do you remember Robotech at gmail dot com for your chance, your one hundred percent chance. Unless it is like a picture of a cat, we can't read that. Uh, although I guess I, I take it as a letter of support or so. But you had your, your chance to get that read on the podcast, and we'll talk about it. Uh, in any case, any any last last final words you know, about about our, our our friendship, our podcast? I will. No matter how much you betray me, I will never Daedalus attack you. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Will you just like regular punch me without the missiles? Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I hope no one punches you out there, listener, and to everyone there at home and to Manny. I love you. You love me? Remember, Robotech is hosted by me, Shane, and my good friend, Manny. The intro music is arranged by me, sampling the Macross opening, a Robotech commercial, and Lifelike by Alexi Action. 
The podcast art is arranged by Manny, with the logo in particular made by Glory Designs. Our ending music is a mashup of My Boyfriend is a Pilot and My Time to be a Star, arranged by Joshua Collins.